Kellerigkeit. Hey, episode fucking, you know, come on. What is this? Episode 200 and what? 42. Looks like we made it. Really? I thought it was 249. Why did I think that? Who knows? I can't trust my own brain at the best of times. How are you, prick faces? So... Where were we? Oh, this is a listener-supported podcast. Go to patreon.com and you can get free shit. You can also get early access to this. And my entire back catalogue is up there. No dates in the new future. I got shit to do. And I realised I was probably undervaluing my goods, so to speak. And so the summer sale, which has been going on for two fucking years now, is over. Because uh, I also had a look at... Uh, you know, the royalty checks and iTunes and so on. And if it's seven fucking pounds 99 per album, what the fuck am I doing giving the lot to you for 16 pounds? So if you dilly-dallied, you've no one but yourself to blame, really. However, the brand new specials, including the two albums, are for sale at brendanburns.net. That's uh, Wombat and Selfies. They're also streaming live now on Amazon Prime across the fucking world. I'm sure there's loads of stuff on youtube.com slash Brendan Burns comedy and, you know, Twitter fucking something. Twitter something. Yeah, why not? Ah, there's t-shirts and shit there. Anyway, I'll do a better job of singling everything out so you can complete your collections, etc. Also, pretty soon, everything will be in circulation at Sirius... Well, not everything. We're doing, like, some best-of tracks and you can request them at SiriusXM. And Laugh USA, I will try and cut something clean. Clean? That's right. With no fucks or cocktuckers. Incidentally, for the, uh, in the US, the FCC guidelines on how to do a G-rated comedy album is without a doubt one of the most offensive documents I've ever read in my life. Really? I shouldn't? <laughs> I sh- I shouldn't be screaming faggot when entertaining children. What? I shouldn't say cunt. But it's weird what is uh, significant by its absence on that document. But very funny. And I won't read the whole thing out. Let's just say it's N-bombs galore. Anyway, where were we? Where the fuck were we? I do believe last week, where we got to, it was... um, all the acid flashbacks are uh, in Bisbee, Arizona. Some very bizarre coincidences in that uh, someone very close to me had been in the exact same spot that was doing, uh, that was kind of going through a very similar process I am. A spiritual vigil, if you will. And I believe she talked about the Navajo elder that did healing ceremonies with people that had survived deadly animal bites. And that Every individual that had survived one ended up changing their career because they believed it changed them physiologically. Junk science! Here comes some junks! This is the junk science. 
episode of the Dumbest Wisest Guy Part 2. So, oh, don't know if you can hear that helicopter overhead. Let's wait. I think that's gone now. Yep, okay. Don't know if that was a helicopter or a plane. Fuck me, there's a lot of helicopters in LA. And they don't like it when you wave at them. They do not like it when you wave. Come here, fireman guys. So, where were we? So, I believe last week we were talking about um, the lady at the gig, the Aussie lady called Nyla, and she told me about her Navajo friend who did healing ceremonies uh, on people. And we got into like a lot of my mushroom flashbacks, how some of the things I saw when doing too much acid. There is schizophrenia in my family, and uh, my uncle Bob actually was in a mental institution. And back in the day, they used to give like a lot of people in mental institutions uh, LSD. But like heavier doses. Like now they say that there's like minor doses and microdosing is good and actually helps with some addictions and so on. Uh, I think I go into it in uh, in spray painting Fuck Off on a Dead Wombat. Or just called Dead Wombat. Available now at BrennanBurns.net. Streaming live on Amazon Prime Video in the US, Europe and Japan. Sorry, Aussies. You'll have to just buy the thing from me direct. Uh, which will be cheaper if you get it from BrendanBurns.net than if you get it from Amazon. Plug, plug, plug. Anyway, I think I addressed some of that that, uh, you know, we all know I went to rehab in 2006. And a lot of the things that they use in there, the process, etc. It's a bit difficult when you're dealing with someone who is, uh, let's just say, overdosing on conscious contact with a uh, higher power or God or whatever. I think back in the day, I said I'm one of the few people that went to rehab to get weaned off God because, yeah, it was a very, very loose grip on reality. And I think some of the things I saw, by the way, if you're listening to this without having listened to the last episode or the one previous, don't. Stop now. Go back. I will be making zero sense. And I'm about to make not that much sense as it is. It's taken me a couple of weeks to try and even put it in order for people as opposed to just like a a massive spider's web of my thinking. I'm going to try and put it as chronologically as possible and uh, try and say in hindsight, explain this from the point of view of a crazy person that's leaning into the crazy. But on some level, obviously a lot of that stuff maybe had physiologically changed me and fuck with some stuff inside my head and on some level i think uh you know if i'm gonna live a happy productive life there's still a part of me that 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 flares up every now and then and it starts running the show and i'm just uh working on identifying it when it happens and how to treat it in the most sensible way possible which again in itself seems counterintuitive I do remember, like, even when I checked out of rehab, the counsellors were like, I've aged while you've been here. Because normally the stuff we use, you're overusing it. (laughs) Normally the process we try and apply, you've been overdoing that. And uh, we were fucking stumped. (laughs) At one point, we just had to give you sedatives and hope you passed out for two days. (laughs) Had to section you. Anyway, uh, so... And yeah, yeah, when I checked out a rehab and they kind of said, do what we tell you to do and you'll have a 
That's that's the promise. You'll have a life beyond your wildest dreams. And back then I was like, well, I've seen two ladies lick each other out. Top that. Um, but last time I went walkabout was uh, to Uluru in Australia on my own. Last time I did that, then an encounter occurred and it gave me an idea. I mean, it gave me the idea for So I Suppose This Is Offensive Now. Which, you know, some people, when they go to the Edinburgh Festival and the people kind of either deny wanting to be nominated, but everyone kind of does. But I've been aware of that award since I was 12 and it had been a boyhood dream to win it. That happened. And then I just kind of, uh, after that, it was like a, that's a problem with lifelong goals. Once they're done, you kind of have like a really massive depression because it's like, all right, what the fuck do I do with myself now? And I guess maybe that's why I'm trying to work some shit out and avoid milestones. Because milestones, I'm not sure how good they are for me. So I did what they said, and sure enough, it happened. <sighs> so obviously, after Bisbee with the acid flashbacks, I hadn't really realized just how much this shit was still in there. There's a chemical somewhere running loose in my mind that can really start to uh, strip shit away and... The way that, uh, you know, like I said in the last episode, the way that I've learned to deal with it in the past is I've seen the worst of it and survived that. And even if I'm right and we're all imagining this shit, the best you can do is make the ride the best it is. It's the best you can do. But that induced kind of trauma is pretty fucking terrifying to me and I've never really been honest until last week about those years of proper delusion because it's fucking horrifying so I kind of needed to lead into the cra- lean into the crazy in order to confront it like any you know like they say any issue like with any issue really uh, or addiction is the uh, first thing you got to do is acknowledge there's a problem I don't know why this came up but I was wondering where I was going to go this time when I went walkabout and then I remembered that there is a chapter in my book, uh, Fear of Hat Loss in Las Vegas, available at Amazon.com. Uh, plug, plug, plug! <laughs> well, for narrative reasons and structural reasons and personal reasons for someone else, uh, I had to completely make something up. There was a thing that I had to make up, which basically helped move the whole thing along. Um, but there's a couple of chapters there that, like, most of it is stemmed in truth. It really is. It's pretty much what happened verbatim. And I was lucky in that because I'd lost my voice during that trip to Vegas. I had everything written down because I could only communicate with pad and pen. So I got to remember, you know, had managed to plant seeds to have memories and have a very pretty clear memory of what you know who said what when because well when it came to my dialogue in the manuscript i had it written down so it's pretty easy to piece back you know what someone said in order to prompt that but anyway i kind of need to read this to you so excuse the page turning i'm not in a studio this is just me so chapter 17 the getaway uh this is where myself paul provenza and barry castanola are on our way to vegas with his dad, Keith. The premise of the book is I was in pursuit of a photograph because I wanted to be the guy in the photograph because in the photograph I was happy in a rather trite attempt. I don't know. 
to prove destiny or fate or some shit. I don't know. Who knows? I was out of my fucking mind. But that's also the problem is one of the things that uh, I did when writing this book was when editing it, I had to do a bit of, because I was the author and narrator, I had to do a better version of myself because at the time I was being a bit of a fucking prick. But writing from the perspective of a prick, people just accept the narrator's voice as gospel. So there's no, unless you're saying it's a character-driven piece, I kind of had to do a better version of me and I kind of became kind of enamored with that individual and saw the more charming elements of it. In real life, after I'd finished this book, after I'd finished writing it, well, it was just a countdown to when I relapsed, started drinking again and all sorts of shit. But that was 10 years ago. But uh, so I've always been very cautious of this. But if that's there, got to fucking get rid of it, don't you? Got to lean into the crazy to get rid of the crazy. So anyway, chapter 17, The Getaway. Fucking hell! Drive, Paul! Drive! We yelled at Prevenz, and he turned three corners seemingly at once. When we hit the main drag, the traction changed dramatically on what little bitumen there was. We actually had to lean to rebalance, screaming various swear words as we did. Fuck, Paul! Be careful! yelled Barry from the passenger seat, practically having to hold on to him to rebalance. It's a motherfucking rental, Prevenz yelled back. Did we just get shot at? asked Keith. Everybody shut the fuck up and let me concentrate, Prevenz screamed. We were doing about 60 miles an hour already, and we weren't even back on a properly sealed and tarred road. It took about another half an hour of us all nearly snapping our fingers in half, as we clutched at whatever was nearest in panic before we could even begin to process what had just gone down. As our adrenaline faded to a near-sane level, I produced a large, solid rock of chemicals from my pocket and asked the first question regarding what had just transpired. So what does crystal meth do? That, replied Prevenz. Chapter 18. Exit wounds. So it's a flash-forward flashback, in case you haven't noticed. Are you sure you're okay with this, Dad? Barry repeated. Of course he's sure, I said. Yeah, look, like I said, it's Vegas, and we'll just do what guys do in Vegas. One day, I hope you'll do this with your boy. Just forget I'm your dad for a few days. Keith is Barry's dad, by the way. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, son. Them's the rules. I know someone there who might be able to help us. Here, here, I toasted. Who are you going to call, Barry asked. Randy. He drinks at my local from time to time. He's a prison guard in Vegas. We all looked at him quizzically. What? Well, who knows more dealers than him? Anyone got any better ideas? So long as you're cool with it, I said as Keith scrolled down the contacts list on his phone. Boys, it's Vegas. Keith reiterated coolly. Put it on speaker, I gotta hear this, Preven salivated. Keith thumbed the phone accordingly and held it out for us all to hear. A harsh, gravelly voice answered. Hello? Hey Randy, it's Keith. You okay to talk? Sure, Keith, what's up? I hate to ask this, but I'm on my way to Vegas with my boy and his mates, and they were wondering where we could get some coke en route. Hang on, Keith, I'm at work. Oh, shit. Sorry, Randy, I had no idea. I'm sorry. Never mind. What? (laughs) Oh, no, fuck that. I mean, wait a minute. Let me ask someone. You sure? Asked Keith. Keith, it's Vegas, said Randy. Let me call you back. We all looked at one another with a, what are you going to do? Downward turning fish lips and open palms. Fair enough, Barry offered. Within what could have been no more than 10 minutes tops, Randy rang back. Keith answered him on speakerphone again. Okay, Keith, I've got three three locations. Whereabouts are you? On the 15, about 300 miles outside LA. The last thing we went past was Beacon Station. Okay, perfect. You got a pad and pen? I had both at the ready in case I lost my voice again. I nodded to Keith. Cool, said Keith. Go. 
In about five miles, you're going to see a sign posting for the Devil's Playground. Holy shit, I see it, said Keith. Weird, I said. Yeah, what kind of omen do you think Devil's Playground is, Christ boy? Teased Barry. Is that your boy? Randy asked. Yeah, replied Barry. Hey, Barry, heard about you and the ex. Shitty. Hope this helps. Thanks. Brilliant. Okay, Randy continued. Almost just before a tunnel, there's a turning for the Devil's Playground on your right called Zook's Road. That's Z-Z-Y-X. On your left is the Arrowhead Trail. Really? Keith asked. Are we kind of space? Huh, kind of. Anyway, it becomes a dirt track after a short while, so follow that for about a few miles. Then peel off to the right, and that becomes Zook's Road again. Take that for about ten miles. It's in the middle of nowhere, and you'll think you're going the wrong way, but you're not. During that time, you'll go past a crossroads where it becomes Arrowhead Trail again, although I doubt it's signposted. Then a turning on your right. After the turning on your right, there is a left about two miles up the road. It'll be a dirt track and hard to spot. Sorry, my delivery's terrible in my fucking American accent, by the way. <laughs> but that's not a problem, as the road ends only about a mile and a half later. You really will be in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. If you make it to the old Bluebell Mines, then you can backtrack about a mile and a half. This is where bodies get tossed and shit, so make sure you got fuel. The guy's name is Exit, short for Exit Wound or some gangster shit. He's actually a white guy, a chemist. Tell him G-Ron sent you. I'll call him in a bit and tell him you're coming. And who exactly it is who's sending you. We sat in silence, stunned. Keith spoke first. Uh, Randy, exactly how did you get that much information in under 10 minutes? Keith, it's Vegas, came the catch-all reply. The system at work, said Provenza. Ha! Laughed Randy at the other end. Oh yeah, apparently he's a little twitchy and subject to blackouts. So if he loses track of the conversation or forgets who the fuck you are in the middle of it, don't take it personally. Just keep reminding him Giron sent you and exactly where the fuck Giron's currently residing. He said his goodbyes and we all yelled, Thanks Randy! The sing-song fashion in which we said it seemed somewhat remiss given that we just asked a prison guard to give us the address of a coke dealer. No problem, but don't say my name again. Seemed fair enough. We followed Randy's directions to the letter. We peeled off onto a thin track that came off the 15 just before a tunnel. He wasn't joking about a dirt track. It was actually difficult to tell we'd gone the right way, as the convertible bounced up and down, threatening to fall apart as soon as the correct resonance was struck. We worried aloud more and more, taking it in turns to say, this can't be it, constantly thinking that the road had ended as it became ever thinner, dirtier, and more remote. Yet Randy's landmarks appeared. We came to the crossroads and a makeshift sign on a gas barrel read arrowhead and zooks in crayon but doubt hung over us the entire time the journey seemed to last forever that and the added factors that the light was fading fast now and we had to stop on numerous occasions to clear the path of various debris including more than one abandoned vehicle actually abandoned and vehicle don't quite do it justice more like entirely aborted rush shell that looked as if it had been sitting at the bottom of the sea rather than ever having been driven anywhere. Each time we stopped, we worried more and more until finally we arrived at a dead end. Scavenging around, we came across holes in the hills, lifted by ancient wooden partitions signifying the mines. We backtracked, our eyes heavily peeled, until we came across something resembling a track now on our right. If the road we had taken was remote, this was positively the Bat Cave. Uh, boys, I got a bad feeling about this, said Keith. I don't think this is just some guy dealing on the side. Let me call Randy. He checked his phone. Damn. No signal. You think? Said Prevence. We all checked our phones. None of us even had a single bar reading. Shit, I said. 
Well, given that most vehicles don't seem to make it out of here, I'm guessing T-Mobile doesn't bother either, said Barry. With that, we pulled into a clearing, parked and piled out of the car. It was dust now, but we could see well enough. There were restored mine shafts littered around the edges of the excavation. Some had plastic sheets covering them. In the centre, there was a massive Winnebago, more like a tour bus. It looked expensive and unkempt, but was still clearly in use. Littered everywhere were full, half-full and empty 50-pound bags of rock salt. There were also manufacturer-sized bottles of drain cleaner discarded everywhere. The stench of pungent cat piss, rotten orange juice and burning plastic filled the air. Prevens, Barry and I swapped glances as the penny dropped slowly. Uh, fellas, I don't think this guy is going to want to do a deal on a couple of grams, I said. Dad, how well do you know Randy? asked Barry. Well, we don't hang out, Keith revealed. He drinks in my local when he's in town. I saw him the other week and mentioned we were heading out to Vegas. Told me to drop him a line if we needed anything. You boys wanted some coke? So, he was all I could think of. I've seen him doing quite a bit before down the pub. Keith, this is a meth distillery, I said. What, said Keith? Randy said the guy was a chemist. As in a fucking meth chemist. Smell that smell? That ain't poppies burning. That's fucking meth. I've never done meth, but I sure as hell... No, you don't need draining fluid and salt to make coke. Ha! <laughs> this is getting fucking interesting, said Prevenz. We glowered at him, pondering exactly how on earth his head worked. Before we could explain to Keith what the salt and drain cleaner were for, we heard an argument ensuing from inside one of the mines. One of the voices got louder and louder. You fucking asshole! What did I tell you about leaving shit on? You trying to fucking kill us? The voice was not assertive, more panicked than anything else. Out of one of the holes came a gawky, emaciated dude with a surgical mask over his mouth. Over his shoulder, rather alarmingly, was a rifle. He took one look at us and, oddly given his next decision, removed the mask, thereby making himself fully identifiable. And then he pointed the rifle right at us. Now, I've had a gun pointed at me twice in my life. Once was by the Egyptian military while I was attempting to climb one of the pyramids outside Cairo. Unbeknownst to me, there were riots in the city that day and they were feeling a little tetchy. The other was when a weird kid at school snapped and pulled a replica handgun right to my head. He was that kid you'd read about going postal. The whole situation was very, very real for a few seconds before he revealed it as a replica. Upon discovering that, I dragged him to the toilets and stuffed him in the urinals. Last I heard, he got a job with the Defence Department. Fucking what? I haven't read this in years, folks. I haven't read this book in years. I completely forgot that uh, I'd put that in there. And I haven't thought about it in ages. And as we know, the bloke that turned up at the gig the other week that prompted me to head off and do this. If you're looking to make fucking connections and see signs and fucking, you know, find hidden meaning and everything. I mean, that'll do it. And it's also an example of uh, where I have melded stories because the kid that held the gun in my head, his name was Sean Dick. I nicknamed him Shaven Penis. And, uh, well, you did the rest. I mean, come on. You called Sean Dick. And the other guy, well, as we discovered, I'd misremembered what he does for a living. Uh, He was at that gig the other week. It's two different blokes. And when I say I didn't really terrorise anyone else after that, no, actually, Sean Dick. I mean, what are you going to do? Come on. It's Australia in the 80s. Anyway, this isn't the book, by the way. This would be talking to you now. Oh, back to the book. So, however, this time, third time I've had a gun held to my head, was easily the scariest, given our surroundings and suddenly remembering that the man in question was subject to blackouts. Whoa, 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 whoa. We all raised our palms at him in a calming fashion. Now, I'll leave it there because that's really all we need, I think. Never been there. Never happened. My thinking was, you know, yeah, really. <laughs> well, we, we this would be a very short podcast if we could just get there really fast and go, well, my thinking was uh, fucking nuts. See you next week, everyone. 
my thinking was, well, I made this place up, so I should probably, if I'm trying to live in reality, I better go and see it for real. Thing is, if you go down the 15, like I said, I can't trust whether I look this up on Google Maps or not, but I've tried now and I can't fucking find it. But some of the shit I described in the book is fuck me dead if it's not there. And it looks just like it. Which, believe you me, was the last thing this crazy cunt needed. Last thing he needed. Last thing a crazy cunt needs is to feel sane, you know? Is to have his delusions confirmed. I told my mate Rob about this. He goes, so you're not the God. You're just a God. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. Oh, it gets so much worse. Yeah, g'day cunts. Uh, This is John Robertson, essentially Brendan Burns' mutant child. And if you have a child and you would like that child to read about mutants, uh, get a copy of my novel, The Little Town of Maraville. It's about two orphans whose father is brutally minced and then they eat the mince. It is the strangest, funniest, most violent thing I could think of. And I took it to a prominent publisher and they said, great, that'll be good for nine to 11 year olds. That's The Little Town of Maraville coming out in the UK August 1st in Australia and New Zealand August 6th. But you can order it anywhere via Amazon or anywhere. Wherever you get your books. That's John Robertson's The Little Town of Maraville. And now, on behalf of Brendan Burns, yeah, fucking, why, why wouldn't you fucking just drive the fucking car down a fucking canyon? What the fuck could go wrong? So, whilst I'm um, in the middle of this leaning into this crazy, I thought, well, fuck, why don't I go to a place that I've made up? See what the reality is. So, I set off for fucking Nevada. And this is, I think, day one. No, it's day two of my trip. I drive to Beacon Station. I stay. I sleep overnight, and I get up as early as I can the next day, and I drive to the left-hand side of Zook's Road because there's also... Zook's Road takes you to, like, this salt lake where a bunch of people hang out to go, like, dune bugging on the dry salt lakes. But on the left side, if you go left off the 15 or whatever it is, it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure in order to base it in a real place, I went on Google Maps and then maybe brought up the satellite feed. But that left turn off the 15, if you go on Google, on, on Google Maps now and follow that trail, first of all, that trail isn't quite there. It's to the right. It's kind of next to it. But I'd never been there before in my life. So I just wanted to, I don't know. To lean into the crazy, I needed to also see the reality. It's not a bad description of it. It's very sharp. It's just rock laden. It's not a road. It is a trail. Uh, There's no trees. It's dry as fuck. It's the desert. And I'm in a rental. Oh, that's really key, actually. Bean and I had rented like a big fuck off people carrier because we were moving apartments. And uh, because I needed to go and do what I needed to do, in terms of treatment and do something similar to what I did last time in going fucking walkabout, if you will. You know, yeah, man, I'm just a man on a rock. Yeah. Uh, Because it, you know, produced such, it really did produce, you know, great results last time. But then also the results of those results weren't maybe what I needed. So, yeah, I've got a... you know, she very kindly was like, fuck it, keep the car for another week and go and do what you got to do. This is my gift to you. And so I am in a brand new 2019 Volkswagen Atlas Jeep. I take it off-road. Well, not off-road per se. 
on Zooks Road, which does indeed become Arrowhead Trail. But here's the thing where I can't fucking trust whether I... Like I said, I went on Google Maps and tried to get like a street view of this place because I could have sworn I did last time. But then when I tried to do it now, if you're on the 15 and you go north up Zooks Road, you can go on satellite, you can scroll in, but I couldn't get the 3D thing. But like I said, never happened. I've never been there before in my life. And then fuck me dead if when I turn up just before the clearing, the car I described is there perfectly. It's a bullet-ridden, rusty, fucking shell of a car. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit trippy. Then I look on the on my left, and there's like a bunch of like stacked rocks, etc. Now, I can't trust myself in hindsight now whether or not maybe the Google satellite has changed, and maybe at the time I was able to go in there and get better images of what was there. But then fuck me dead if there's not a clearing. There was a fucking propane gas bottle that had been shot at but doesn't look like anything in my mind's eye so the quote unquote revelation i'm having at this time in the heat in the desert and by the way no satellite signal and it's i'm already like kind of up a mountain and it's baking fucking hot and i think fuck it i'll i'll i'll, I'll see if i can get high so to speak but i come to this clearing there's yeah, like i said there's a picnic table and there's more rusted out fucking cars everywhere. Bearing in mind, by the way, along the way, none of this. On the route there, none of those fuck, nothing I described was there. It was at the end in the clearing. And I don't know how I wrote this. But also at the same time, while I'm clearly in a process that's, that's kind of, you know, I'm trying to undo chaos with chaos. You know, when you're trying to grab a lifeline when... You're in the middle of that flashback, acidy, schizophrenic, fucking, just erratic, manic, euphoric thinking. You're just clinging on to anything, you know, just trying to grip something of unreality. And so the quote-unquote revelation I'm having at the time is, all right, I'm capable of making things up, and I'm also capable of just picking out the things that I see in reality that confirm that and disregarding anything that doesn't which is kind of how basic chaotic theory works is that we notice what we notice because we notice it's like how a lot of people think their phone's been hacked because they mention a movie and then they see the advert for it on their phone or in their facebook feed and they think facebook's been listening to them and it's like no the advert was always there you only noticed it now and if I turned up there and nothing I had described was there, I wouldn't make as big a deal of it if anything I described was there. So anyway, I drive up to the top of that mountain and then fuck me dead if there's not caves. There's fucking caves up there. Never been there before in my life. Ever. I took a bunch of photos just so you can see this for yourselves and I'll probably post it as this uh, week's episode. But... In terms of feeding that level of crazy, oh, it was the worst thing that could have happened, and it was the best thing that could have happened. And as I said at the beginning of this series, hey man, if it hadn't gone down the way it had gone down, I would be a fucking, I'd be insufferable right now. I'd be a oh, crystal-wearing fucking prick.
And by that, I don't mean all people that wear crystals are pricks. I mean a prick that wears crystals. You know how like sometimes people go like, hey, I'm a Christian, and they're not, and they use as as their excuse to be a cunt? I am perfectly capable of overdoing spirituality as an excuse to be a prick. So I'm leaning into this fucking, hey, man, I'm just a man on a rock. Uh, reality, what is it anyway? You know, perception is reality. Uh, so like a proper fucking hack at the top of this mountain. There's not people. For, I couldn't even see the motorway from where I was, even though I'm atop a mountain. Uh, like a proper fucking prick. I strip naked. Of course I do. Meditate, do yoga. I may as well be banging drums. I just That's one step short of banging drums. And crying about my dad. Oh, but don't worry. That comes later. Fuck's sake. Oh, I got sunburnt. And then I put on... <laughs> I forgot about this. I put on Factor 50 sun uh, sunscreen, which is that really thick, cakey, like white shit. And I didn't see myself, right? Until... Because I'm thinking, hey, man, maybe I'll just spend the night out you know, under the stars, I've got like a mat and uh, supplies and it's all I need. And then, you know, it's about the four o'clock sun and I'm like, wait a minute, this is going to get freezing fast. So it's going to be, like, fuck that, I'm sleeping in a hotel tonight. And then I uh, remembered that Stanhope and his mates were getting ready for his Netflix special in uh, at the Plaza Hotel. So I went and booked uh, a room at the Plaza Hotel and, uh, oh, and here's something funny as well. I told Johnny Hastings about this just the other week. And it turns out that um, him and Cabana were, I don't think they were staying at the plaza, but they were like right there at that time, that weekend. Because uh, I think Cabana was there for Starcade and All In, All In 2. And obviously Hastings is in the US and he thought he'd go there to hang out. So they were both there right next to me, exact same time. Anyway. So I turn up to the fucking Plaza Hotel and it's not until I got back to my room till I saw myself, but I swear to God, it's like I was wearing white face. I must have looked like the craziest cunt ever. There were more complications checking in than I first expected. By the time I checked in my room, had a wash, and I'm just euphoric and manic and yet all the while thinking I've somehow achieved inner peace like no one ever has, which has never really worked very well for me. <laughs> but I'm... Busy congratulating myself on, you know, how going with the flow I am that I, uh, by the time I have a wash and I go down to meet Stan open that, it was like 15 minutes to go. Uh, and I asked at the door, ah, oh, his mate. And I think I'd like drop, I think I'd said like, uh, uh, in the swap cast that I was going to come and they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I'd message them. And anyway, you know, there's nothing worse than when you're getting ready for shit like that, where people message you day of. So I was like, you know, I don't want anything from this situation, you know, and I didn't actually. I was uh, just happy to accept whatever came my way, but also kind of overdosing on spirituality, which then branches out into magnanimousness. And then, you know, I then think I wander around Vegas, which is, you know, isn't that the weirdest place to go that after you've gone, I'm a man on a rock. Anyway, let's go to Vegas. <laughs> How's that add up? Hey, we're all just experiencing one another. This is just it. We're all just imagining this, man. This is just a ride, baby. Anyway, Vegas. Woo! 
Bright Lights, Big City, My Ass, Vegas, by the way. If you want to drink, get hookers and gamble, fine. Try and find something to eat after fucking 11 o'clock. Jesus Christ. So I'm starving. I think I wandered around for two hours just trying to find something to eat. In the end, I catch up with no one and I just get a good night's sleep. And I texted uh, Nyla in Bisbee. And she'd already said, yeah, go to northern Arizona. Trippy shit happens there. And she'd said that she'd reached out to this uh, Navajo elder bloke and that he was busy all weekend, like, you know, doing healing rituals all over northern Arizona. So I wake up the next day and I'm thinking, I'm just going to drive around randomly around fucking Utah, northern Arizona. What's the four states that connect at that four corners thingy? Because I'm convinced. That's right. I'm like, I'm going to jump in a lake, man. I've been a man on a rock. Now I've got to go jump in a lake. And hey, you know what? If some of the stuff that I had manifested was there, while well, I'm going to look to be a... I've been a man on a rock. Now I'm going to be a, a man in a lake. And if it's meant to be, you know, I'll just bump into this guy. As is. So I drive through the night to... Page, and I wind up in Page, uh, which is supposed to be four and a half hours drive, but is it fuck? And believe you me, it's slowly but surely becoming less and less civilized. Like Colorado City is what? Is it fuck? I, I look on the map and I'm thinking Colorado City. Well, that's isn't that like you know, Denver and shit? Haven't they got legalized weed there? Like it's gonna be no. It's just. I'm driving deeper and deeper into, uh, I guess you might call it the 10 corners of the Grand Canyon, if you will. Those little roads are not... Anyway, I head for Paige, looking to be a bloke in a lake and presuming that I will bump into... What the fuck was his name anyway? Patrick Scott or something? But I'll leave it there because shit was about to get really crazy. What, you think this isn't crazy enough? Oh, we haven't even scratched the surface, folks. Of how fucking nuts this gets. <laughs> anyway, if you're interested in any of the products that I've listed in this, including Fear of Hat Loss in Las Vegas, uh, I believe you can find secondhand copies or original copies of it on Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk. The special in question, where I do talk about the uh, whole rehab mushroom thing, that's in uh, Dead Wombat which is uh, available at brandonburns.net, or you can get streaming live on Amazon Prime Video. And by this weekend, I will have probably separated a lot of the albums and put them for purchase all on brandonburns.net. And if you're enjoying this story, I think it's it's kind of funny that there's a T-shirt available at prowrestling.tees. Go to brandonburns.net as well. It's uh, me superposed in the Grand Canyon fucking punching cats, which is kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> funny, though. Fucking funny, though. Berserker! See you next week. It's amazing how